podcast where we talk about things with one super special guest every week. Just sit back, relax, and hear us speak on This Is Happening, the podcast. Hello, welcome back to This Is Happening. Welcome to This Is Happening. Thanks for joining us. This is Nathan Streifel. And Eric Morris. And today we have the exuberantly talented, beautiful, mystical, human of the world. He's a writer, an actor, um, an all-around performance artist and entrepreneur. His name? Perry Powell. Hey, what's up? (laughs) Welcome, Perry Powell. And for those of you out there, those listeners out there who are... Uh, w- this is happening completists, you might, uh, <laughs> might realize that we previously had the writer-director of Perry Powell's web series, I'm Fine, as a guest. It was our second episode, Brandon Kirby. Brandon Kirby. So if you are listening to each and every one of these episodes, thank you. And if um, you haven't listened to episode two, go back, listen to that, and then listen to this one. But now we have the star and central character who plays Nate... Um, Perry Powell. Hey, I thought you said sensual character, and I was like, well, there's well, a sensuality to it. Yeah. Absolutely, he's a sensual <laughs> character, but central what it was what and I was essential. trying to say. Um, especially central to the first season, and it opens up a little bit in the second season, but um, yeah. but that is something, uh, you know, Perry's work that you can go out there and see. The first season is out available on YouTube and the That's, second is season Deku? is the first season on on YouTube now. Um, it's called I'm Fine. By yeah, the way. I'm Fine. Seasons that. one and two. Um, there, I think that the first four episodes of the first season are on YouTube. I know that the first one is because I've seen as it like there. a grab, yeah. like as a like, right. Like, come watch the rest. It was like an intro, as like a yeah. you know. Little, and then it got picked up by video. something called Deku, which I still don't really understand what that is. Me neither. Don't worry. It's, <laughs> it sounds like a Star Wars planet. It, it sounds does. like. Um, I think it might be then. Some, something from Urban Dictionary, but like. What does it mean? No one knows, and they still don't tell me. So it's like a. It's so they, they don't actually. They you don't know what the origin of the name is. No, I don't, it's um, it's a, it's like a queer sub channel on Amazon. Um, that this is like one of the series that they're trying to sell, to, like to make the app sellable as well. So it's like one of those things. It's like a little bundle. So they're giving us like more money to make it and like try to like. Yeah, it's apparently doing pretty well. It's doing really well. Yeah, there's a dearth of queer sub channels on Amazon, so this fits that bill really well. Well, and there's yeah, there's not you know I don't think there's really a glut of queer um, content you know anywhere like no there's like what series is covering you know like. You know, there's the looking isn't on anymore. Curtis Folk looking, I'm fine. You know, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's just you know, it's so when something like that comes along, I think people gravitate to it because there there's not that much. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's you know, there's other web series um, that I you know certainly know of, but um, but yours is very, um, you know, it it takes kind of a a serious look at, you know, being, you know, young, single, and gay in in West Hollywood or wherever you might live. Um, And I think that there's a hunger for that still, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think that what we're living through right now um, in regards to programs that networks would pick up, um, we're still like 10 years out from, you know, this being like a normal thing. It should be a normal thing right now. Um, but we're seeing in the zeitgeist is this sort of trepidatious, like, I don't really know if I'm going to invest in something as risky as a queer series yes, from on high. Yes. Like there's gay, still a lot of gay gesture yeah. that happens in the entertainment and world I, now. Yeah. And I know that this has probably been true for you, but it's definitely true for me. Like over the, my time in Hollywood, it's been, you know, you get here and you're like, well, what can you do? You can be a fop. You can be a drag queen. You can be... Um, you know, like whatever it is, it has to be like gay, 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 gay. Like, and, but like, if you want to make something with integrity or make something, uh, a little bit more, yeah, serious and more of a three-dimensional, three-dimensional, like a realistic look at what's going on, then it, you're going to have a little bit of a hard time because it's a hard sell. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we, we also, we went through a time and, you know, and I'm talking, you know, my time in Hollywood, which is like, you know, maybe 20 years or so, but, 
um, where there was maybe like a little glut of gay independent movies, um, you know, and there were some companies that were formed to do those and some distributors that specialized in them. Um, and when was this like nineties? Was that like a good well, time? Well, I mean, I would say cinema? not the ni- I mean, there was so- some really more underground stuff in the nineties, but then in the two thousands, um, yeah. you know, there's a company called funny boy films that was formed and, um, TLA releasing, put out things and yeah. there was, um, you know, it's when, um, here TV started and, Logo started to logo still exists, although I think it's kind of on its last legs as a network. Um, but uh, I feel like there's definitely more queer content content out now, but maybe there's at this point not really something that's kind of really pulling it all together like a like a big series to go look this is like a well there was yeah i mean i I think what i was remembering though was that there was like there was a little bit of a of a glut and people thought okay well if we make this for the right price point you know we can make money on it and you know some of the quality was really bad and you know maybe some of it was like almost veering towards porn or something like that but um it you know, it just, and a lot of these things just weren't economically viable, and these right. companies didn't work, and these networks had to kind of switch gears, and um, you know, so now, um, you know, there's if if something is good, you know, there you, people hopefully you know can find an audience for it. I don't know exactly where um, where the state of like queer content you know is, but. You know, with the advent of web series and just being able to, like, shoot something on your phone and, like, someone making Tangerine, which I thought was, like, brilliant, you know, but on an iPhone, um, you know, the the barrier to entry is so much less. You know? Yeah, people and, like, can just be making what they want. You know, Brandon didn't have to, you know, like, sell his idea to uh, HBO to get it told. He just right. went and made it. And... Um, and then it was picked up by, you know, now there's, like, things cropping up like Deku, and they'll support it, you know. Um, so, how did you get involved in good. I'm Fine? Um, <clears throat> God. Yeah, I have more that I wanted to say about that, but I will... Oh, well, no. Let's, sorry. No, 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 that's that's good. Can, Please can. do. We'll, we'll circle <laughs> back to your origin on... Because so. we can absolutely... Like, okay, well, I guess I can... I'll, uh, I'll tie it together. Um, so... It's really funny because it actually was the same thing. Like, it was like Brandon was just, he came to me and was like, um, hey, you know, I have this. We had been talking about writing another series with uh, our shared mutual, very dear friend, Joe Hackman. Um, he's yes, his roommate yes. now, yeah. And um, you had just met, you had met Brandon through. Outfest. Just, oh, through Outfest. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. So we both worked at Outfest nice. and we had like, done all these events and we and there was I remember he came up to me and he was just like I want you to read for this thing and so I auditioned for it and I sent him like a little self tape um and then I went to his apartment and they were having auditions and there were like two other guys who were up for the role and there were like very different ways that this character could have gone because it was written sort of like Brandon but like more like a you know like an everyman like a like a Lena Dunham and girls like central character who like is aware that their life is ridiculous, but like, you know, doesn't, uh, it just, you as an audience member, like ask, like, is this, does this person know how like awful they are? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Or are they just being, you know, this person? Um, So it's, yeah, it's, he sold me on it and I uh, just showed up and then I auditioned and then I got the role and it snowballed um, because it was just like a sort of, labor of love kind of thing. Um, and yeah, but he told us it took a really long time to shoot the first season. Cause it was done like, you know, and catch as catch can when people, when you could get people together over a period of months, mm-hmm. I gather. And then the second season supported by Deku was all done in a short, you know, and that burst. was my idea. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fun, fun oh, story. Cool. Yeah, yeah. The, the cool know. thing about like doing this kind of work is that it was very much like the first season was a lot of 
you know, yeah, catch as you can, like whatever goes, goes. This Saturday, this Saturday, Saturday this Saturday, this like, Saturday. do you have a person in mind who might like play this role? And I was like, yeah. So like I had a heady hand and like the original, like, okay, casting, cause we were all just like doing it as like weekend projects. Yeah. And right. now it has spiraled into this, you know, bigger, th- like some of it's, it's a fully fledged sure. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brandon was, I know the reason I call it, I was like, Oh, that was my, idea. cause like there are so many <laughs> things that happen throughout the show that are, um, like the, the, either the DP or the producers or the actors, you know, they come in and they're just like, it's not really like, Oh, that was my idea. But it's just like, yeah, like, you know, we have, we have so much experience coming from various backgrounds in Hollywood. I come from the theater world. And so I'm just like, this is like the most feasible way that you're going to be able to get this many people in the same room at the same time with it in their heads. You should do a nine day shoot. Um, right. because it's, you know, so it was like shooting like a, you know, like a, a low budget indie film in a way. The yes. Se- the second season. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, yeah, that's probably going to be the model like moving forward. Well, Did you like sense. that better as an actor being able to just kind of throw yourself into it for nine days and then be done with it? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it must have been hard. Like, you know, weeks later or whatever to pick up, like, okay, what was I doing? Yeah. Like, and then, oh, this was just, oh, oh, this goes right into this and I was just doing that. You know, I mean, that's gotta be hard. Yeah. It's super hard. Um, especially because you are doing it again and again and again and again, you know, you, multiple takes and you're like, okay, like, <clears throat> um, you can do something in episode, you could have done something in episode four and then like Christmas goes by right. and the new year and all of this other like upheaval of energy. And then you're like back yes. on set in February and you're like, wait, what? What is my character's name? What is going on? Well, and the first season is very, very Nate-centric. You know, I mean, yeah. you're, it just, you, you are the the f- deep focus of that of that season. And so it was a lot for you, you know. Um, you're in most of the scenes, certainly every episode, you know, it, it was... Um, yeah. was a lot. So, you know, that, that's got to be a lot. That takes a lot of concentration and focus to, like, hold that all together. Yeah, which is why I think that it's so much easier when you, uh, when you do a nine-day shoot because you're just, like, um, you know, pretty much any actor, like, on huge productions are going to be going into it for, like, three or four months, and they just, like, completely, you know, you... Yeah. I have actor friends who have done this, and then you just like lose track of them, and you're like, okay, they are working, yes. and that is what they're doing, and it's so, it's exciting to have that kind of work. I think, um, well, to be able to immerse yourself in it, and yeah, just lose it, lose yourself in it is like, such I'm adventure, doing yeah. this. Yeah, that's a great privilege to to have that. Truly, yeah. Um, and this, you can't really do that. You know, you can't take yourself out of your life for like months of time because it's not lucrative enough to do that you know right i mean but at this point but it's still right. uh well yeah until it takes off until De- deku starts paying you you know just who doesn't need to do that? i'm fine for the rest of my life pop the champagne we're doing another one. Oh man and we should also mention that nathan is in this uh, series do. as well. And I do have a It actually features yeah, yeah. into like a little, it's almost like a DVD extra um, in yeah, one of the episodes. Yeah, it's kind of like a special features one that is post-credits. Post-credits, <laughs> um, there's a whole like thing where, you know, Nathan plays like a dodgeball, kickball. My character is Trey and... Um, it's a kickball? And me and my boyfriend... They're like the annoying ones. Yeah, we host a YouTube channel together and are also on a gay kickball team with Perry's ex in the show. And um, so the kind of post-credits are kind of a a take on our YouTube channel. Yeah, and then they do flash on the screen. I wanted to ask you about this, but I I thought I might as well ask you here. Sure, Um, yeah. They, if they flash on the screen an OnlyFans um, actual website, you know. I have only, not been to that link. I, I was oh, well, I was wondering if they like even like created content for that. <laughs> Clearly not. I had not um, even really heard of OnlyFans until that day. I've heard of it recently, uh, but now it. once once it got into my mind, I heard it multiple times since then. Yeah, it's a porn thing, right? I or think like a, essentially you can. 
I don't know who does it. People that are popular, maybe on Instagram, and then they want to show more explicit content yeah. to people. Got it. People it's a way can, to make money. Yeah, people can buy a subscription. <laughs> so, and then, so you know, like on a porn, you know, website or whatever, and like you see someone like in a room, you know, doing their thing. Yeah, you know, whatever. I had a roommate who did this webcam stuff. Webcam stuff years so. ago, and she and it was super lucrative for her. And I was just like, okay, go girl, like you do your thing. Yeah, but is it like a normal thing? Like it's like Instagram stories, and then you have OnlyFans as well. Like it's like can they come well, some on? people do promote like Go Go Boys and things, and maybe porn stars Got and it. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Promote like they're on their Instagram. You know, the below they'll say like you know OnlyFans, you know whatever. And some people are making like upwards of ten thousand dollars a month on this you know well, uh, having a lot of people subscribe to their account and look yeah at their content yeah it's and there's levels apparently <laughs> the oldest i learned this profession. only very recently <laughs> on, on someone else's <laughs> podcast but where they were talking to someone about it and but yeah there's like levels on only fans like so it's you like subscribe to this, but if you subscribe <laughs> at a higher level, then you get even rate raunchier content. Gotcha, you know? gotcha, so it's gotcha, just like, gotcha. Ah, but I, I've actually... Low job level one, capitalism in the nude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In repose. <laughs> I've never been on OnlyFans, though, so I can't... I, oh, I me really... neither. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I actually haven't. Not that I wouldn't, but I'm too cheap for that. Yeah, I don't. It's, it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, I'm not okay, gonna, like, like, who cares? What? It's the internet. Half of the internet is porn. Yeah, it's like, right. All free. You can it's, see it's plenty free. of yeah. free porn. You don't really need to pay for OnlyFans. But I guess if you're obsessed about one person, that's true. Which is its own type of fetish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legitimately. Maybe you got some. Maybe there's some Perry Powell fetish, fetish, fetish. Fetishistas. I hope there are. I truly, and I hope they're listening. (laughs) I hope they're listening and like like and subscribe, (laughs) retweeting, swiping right, subscribe, Um, whatever you guys do. Yeah, because if they yeah if they are Perry Powell fetishists, then they should be listening to this. Hell, I'm a Perry Powell fetishist. (laughs) I'll go out in the open and say it. You down with OPP? I'm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh baby. I see. I got it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we that, did go on a little tangent there. No, yeah, but I think that it, it can relate back. I think that there's a way to make it all lump together because what we're living through right now is, uh, you know, so many people are creating things. There's we are creating the own, the media that we are making. So like with OnlyFans, it's like you know you have like all of these like. You have even like fetish websites popping up, but like the way that I'm fine was made and the way that things are going to be made, like moving into the future. It's kind of like, um, it's, it's really crazy to be living through this right now, because if you don't like something or if you think that there should be something, then you just go out there and you do it and you change it. And you No, it's it. a huge upheaval, I think, yeah. in the entertainment business. And it's something that I don't think like the conglomerates have completely figured out. Like, you know, how do think we... society's figured it out. This is like incredible mm. amount of content. How do we get people's attention? You know, it's like right. networks that used to, you know, like, well, they, they exist, but, you know, CBS and Fox and NBC, whatever. I think as time goes on, their value will be that they have a brand, people know what they are, and they can, they'll be able to draw people to their website. Right. But, you know, in terms of like anyone sitting down at eight o'clock on a Thursday to watch the Cosby show, you know, those days are, you know, at an end, you know, like almost over. Especially Um, for the Cosby show. Well, yeah. (laughs) 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 But yeah, like, so people, you know, people are creating their own content and, you know, there's it's a it's really is kind of a great equalizer, you know, in terms of being able to get get stuff out there. But then it's a challenge not only to for make people, the money too. Yeah, to make it to make it viable. Right. You know? Because there's so much being made, your stuff has to be that much better or be that much more long lasting, like more um and how do you tell people about it? How do you get people to pay any attention to it? I mean, in our own tiny little way, we're you know experiencing that with you know this with the podcast. You yeah, know, we're like, I mean, how do we get this out? Yeah, I mean, right now it's just through our own social media, but you know, right. it's just like 
you know, if you put it, you're putting anything out there, you want people to find it. I think the, I think the cream rises to the top at the end of the day. Really right. good content is just going to be going to, um, people are going to watch that and be drawn towards stuff that's really good. Yeah. It, that, it, it, sorry. Yeah. Go. Oh, I think that it's like a breaking down of like what we mean when we say content, you know, like what we mean when we talk about things that are made, um, there's a, a theorist, like an internet guru named Cory Doctorow who wrote a litany of books, but one mm-hmm. of his books um, is called Information Doesn't Want to Be Free. And it's about this phenomenon that we're seeing. And he says um, in like an anecdote near the beginning of the book, for most of human history, the things that we made were mammalian in structure. So they were, it took a gestation period. It took a really long time for them to be like, you know, thought out and made. You see like mm-hmm. the spires of the Parthenon, you see throughout history, the, the pyramids, you see all of these. Like, a pot. A pot even, yeah. <laughs> like up until like the 1800s when people were making like wicker chairs that took months yeah, at a time. To have to, or even, object. you know, a book when the yeah, printing yes, press truly, was. Truly. Was truly a prized yeah, possession. 40, 50 years ago even, like yeah. not that long ago. Um, we are, you know, seeing right now a shift away from that mammalian structure into, you know, us becoming reptiles or dandelions or something that just like dandelion sounds right. Dandelion sounds fun where, you know, like all of, you know, those animals have in common, their reproductive systems are all about like making hundreds of copies of something quickly and then maybe like two or three survive. Yeah, and, that and just littering the world with it. Right. And hoping somebody picks oh, it up. Oh, God, that's really interesting. Yeah. That is really interesting. It's super... So that gestation period and the preciousness right. of the things that are created is going away. But I have a theory that like compounds upon that theory that in order to be one of the two or three objects that survives, or the babies that make it out... Um, in an art world and going back to like what content means, mm-hmm. they have to have that Gestational quality about life. them. Yeah. They have to have like something ornately human and mammalian inside of them that makes it like, okay, like, um, whether or not it is directly, you know, transferable in terms of like meaning that you can break down mm-hmm. is insubstantially. It's got to have something that is a je ne sais quoi, like this is human. It speaks to me on a very visceral level and it took time to make, even if it didn't take like, you know, 10 years to make it like, I think there's a place for both. I think if you're going to yeah. create something, you need to gestate it and have it be fantastic and really thought out and crafted or go about it the opposite way with the spore throwing and really just make such a gluttony of content that people just do that better than everybody else and eventually because you see that you see that youtube people or instagram people that just are constantly putting stuff out Mm -hmm. and that is a way for them to attract followers and um, build some sort of base of people that follow them even though the content it's quantity over quality right yeah i mean there are there are you know in that social media realm you know you have to part of the name of the game is just you got to keep putting stuff out there so they yeah. people keep paying attention to you and liking and whatever. But is that art? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't I, think no, so yeah, either. it's a medium in no. itself that is separate from art and I think that's what's so difficult because everything in life is an art form so you've got all of these different mediums like Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter that are different modes of expression that have been broken down to their like tiniest little blip version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that carries over into the way that we interact on dating apps. And that carries over into the way that we interact on LinkedIn and the way that we interact on a lot of different versions of this postmodern, you know, hyper-connected internet world. It's like you're being, it, it's an art form in itself to know how to use these websites. How to navigate. And, yeah. And, and how to, you know, if you have a really, really phenomenal Instagram that has millions of followers or whatever, like, does that mean that you're a good artist? It's like, or it doesn't mean that you're a good Instagrammer. It's like that, you know, it's going to be a question um, because most of the time, you know, relating this back to what we were talking about earlier with like brands and giant corporations that have a conglomerate, you know, they hire people who know how to do that. Like, and that's entire 
like people yes. higher language. Do you just have an Instagram because of nepotism? Truly, yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, but the, yeah, those corporations have whole marketing departments and publicity departments and people, you know, just like uh, armies of people who are, you know, focused on bringing attention to what to what they do. Right, and they're you know influencers now, which is. Funny oh, that, to me. Yeah, that whole thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I really do like uh, so much of my life was before any of this, you know, yeah. like the before the internet, before cell phones, you know, and, and so like the fact that that people like pay attention to the Kardashians. Kim Kardashian's <laughs> Instagram or whatever or and are influenced, you know, and just like, oh, I want that life. I want to. I want to like buy this product that she's doing or like, it's you know, Kylie so Kardashian or I don't even, it's their one. I, is that a person? I don't even remember. Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Like, so her <laughs> makeup line or whatever, you know, just like, uh, I, I don't quite really get all that, you know, when, and the whole yeah. concept of influencers, but you know, that's the world we live in. You when know, somebody comes right. to me and says, I looked up to the Kardashians because they're girls that know what they're doing and they're selling their brand and da 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 and they're smart businesswomen. I sure, but well, I they've also undeniably, like, you know, made a lot of money. Right, but they created have created like an empire. But yeah, it's like, yeah. what is the of, of what? Right, of nothing. What? that's the thing of about businesses, and this is yeah. what you talk about when you talk about influencers and content creators and people who are making things right now. They're not actually like in the same way that the 1% is not contributing back to the economy. These people are not actually contributing to society. They're not doing work that matters. That no, it's entirely self-involved and self-obsessed. Right. And all and they're talking about is like the whatever mundane detail of their life. And all you need to do that is to have money in the first place, which is why it's a catch-22. It's a paradox. It's like, yo, they're great businesswomen because they already had yes, money. Yes, exactly. It's like, yeah, like, yeah. So it's like... Well, they didn't have the kind of money they had now. Right, but money makes money. Yeah. But what makes money make money? Like, it's like, you know, <laughs> why are we still dealing with this? It's like... Um, but we're going to be dealing with it for I guess a little they, while. Well, they kind of yeah. cashed in on their lives. and Well, it all started with a sex tape. And it started with... They were able to... They figured out how to get attention. You know, and I feel like they... They figured it out in a, in a way more profoundly than Paris Hilton did. You know, they, they just... They have figured it out. Yeah, you know, something. Like, whatever it is, you know, like yeah. that. I call it the Mr. Burns effect, which is <laughs> like... The Simpsons reference. You know. <laughs> um, it's one of my favorite things to watch where I look at, like... Um, because they explore in The Simpsons, and this is one of my favorite shows of all time. But Mr. Burns, just as a character, like, you, you watch him lose money and then gain money and then like go through all of these like crazy you know random happenstance things that like happen to mr burns but he is just like to his core a capitalist like he doesn't know how to not be anything other they like right. show flashbacks mm -hmm. of him when he's, he's a little not kid. complicated and so, no he's not yeah um and it's like when i look at paris hilton and i look at um kim kardashian and i look at uh caitlin jenner who i met by the way and like that was a big moment for me where I was like, oh, you are just Mr. Burns. Like, there's no, like, you're just a, you know, like, I, I can't hate you because you're so entertaining. But at the same time, like, when you were a little girl, that's like what you were thinking about was like, how can I just make this the most money in this given situation? It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is remarkable Wasn't how... Bruce Jenner focused on being a tri, like a, a decathlete? Yeah, something really, like, noble and... Inspiring. Or he was sure. a talented athlete. Right. Yeah. I don't know that don't he know, was focused Bruce on, Jenner. like, you know, I don't know that Caitlyn Jenner. Was oh, did I say Caitlyn Jenner? I meant um, Christian. Jenner. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's a okay. big difference. Because you said you just. Met. I bet you just offended some <laughs> you, people. You said I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that was an odd description <laughs> of Caitlyn Jenner. Sorry, yeah. My bad. No, no, no. I don't have anything against uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Well, I, um, I don't have anything I mean, for Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, she's a but still. Like, yeah, no, I hate that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it is really still learning about, you know, her own. Uh, you know. Identity? Identity. Yeah. And, and what that means and, and being a. You know, uh, a minority, and you know, it's just like it, it, Caitlyn doesn't understand. I get the names mixed up. When you said Kylie, I thought it was Chloe, or like I don't know if they're different. Like I don't actually know that much about the Kardashians. Which is a credit to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All I know is at the end of the day, 
like when people when people do point out Paris Hilton and the Kardashians and um, other people and they're just like they're geniuses and it's like you can't argue with them because they're rich. It's like they're just capitalists and it's important to be able to yeah i mean distinction between Par- paris hilton is an exa- is a good example of like you know just like money makes money she had the same amount of money pretty much you know that she has now like maybe not personally but her family had you know yeah. plenty of money and, and you know and that begat whatever and i don't think she's created the same kind of thing that the kardashians have I mean, she's kind of like, who, does anyone pay any attention I to her? I do think Paris Hilton is successful monetarily. All she does is, like, take know. pictures and stuff like that. The, the, they, they've done more with it, you know, I feel like, the Kardashians. But, ah. Uh, right. Why are we talking about They're exhausting. They are, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is what's so crazy about... Well, it's our world. We've right. got Donald Trump as president. It's like we you can't elected a brand for president, right. Yeah. yeah. I think that yeah. it's... Um, and, that, and it's all wrought by that stuff. And just, it, yeah. I think that ultimately what it points towards is, you know, we're in a late phase of this culture where so much has been invested into capitalism and so much has been said like this is you know this is the rules this is the system this is what's going to work that now we're getting to this place where we have really asinine professions like content creators and influencers social and media social media marketers uh, and all of these like twitter updaters public or officials yeah, or yeah, public, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I or, update the president's or like tweet. where no, we they, kind of started with that. influencers right. that's someone's job and they might make millions of dollars a year through YouTube or whatever until the center collapses and until that system doesn't work anymore which it's not going to like and right. that's, that's just something you can you know, kind of see that yeah and you can see it Right now, I do like, feel like there was a moment with YouTube where it was like building up, and it was like, and they really like, oh, there was a company like Maker that was created, and to capitalize on all the, you know, all the YouTube personalities, and like let's create, and but they didn't figure out how to turn that into like a money making network or something. They didn't figure out how to do something really interesting with that. I mean, they're still trying to figure it out, I'm sure, but. Yeah. But, um, well, it's hard with the old stalwarts. I do feel like that fun. that model is collapsing a little bit. It's collapsing because people don't need it. It's there's a supply and demand in any economy, and it's not doing anything for the economy. I think that it's not going to last for very much longer. This um, this facade, this sort of like we're going to pay you to present, you know, th- your life as like your opinions you know what I mean like you've got like it even influences politics in the way that we have just like talking heads like talking into a camera like people on YouTube there's like all of these algorithms that are attached to whatever you know website people are watching and so if you watch like a Tommy Lauren video it takes you down this rabbit hole until you're like five videos later you're at like a white supremacist like yeah here's Ann Coulter again yeah yeah <laughs> like the evolved Pokemon version of this thing that you apparently love because I, you watched Ann it Coulter I'm is like, totally the Pokemon evolved version of I agree Pokemon I think algorithm, algorithms are really taking over I mean mm-hmm. you can kind of see it in what happens with your own social media posts like I feel like there's been a shift like you used to put something out and it just went out and people saw it or they didn't see it. But now I feel like there's like strata on your social media and you might not even penetrate to no. the, to that, to that strata where you don't interact with that person very much. And so they, they, it may never come up on their feed that you've put something out. Yeah. Um, because the, these companies are, um, Dictating what it. we're seeing. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, and we've seen it with our own thing. Like, you know, we have a Facebook page, we have an Instagram account, but especially on the Facebook page, it's like they're trying to get you to boost that post and pay us they $30. Want you the, they want the money. It's like these many people have seen it. If you boost the post, it will, you know, be seen by this many more thousands of people, you know, and, and it's like, and, and they're going to make sure it doesn't get seen by People like unless you pay through some kind of algorithm. How do we know they can do whatever they want? I, we really yeah. I mean, I just I feel like that's what's happening. Yeah, you know? we're headed into a humans versus the algorithms scenario, which isn't as daunting or scary as it seems until you realize that humans are running the algorithms, but then they don't have the capacity left to say this is how this is going to work. It's like the algorithm thinks for 
millions well, of people and, already. And look at how the the Russians were able to exploit it for the 2016 election. I yeah. Mean, you know, they exploited algorithms and they... they they're still somehow, doing it. Of course well, they are. And we're not doing anything really to stop them. No, well, it's, it's, it's because we can't. Like, And that's what's ultimately so fascinating about this. Well, we can. We could. We can. If we, we could had, do more. If we had like a, we you know, a dedicated like, you know, team at the CIA or whatever that was a cyber warfare unit that was if we had a president who didn't deny it right specifically you know um in fact there's been money allocated towards this that um that trump won't spend and it's it's it's, it's ridiculous yeah I think we have gone very far afield from Perry powell and his oh, we, career oh yeah we did <laughs> but this is powell this is Perry. this is quintessential no, this, is, Perry this is i mean you know i <laughs> nathan and perry are good friends yeah um, i met perry long before i knew that you were an actor i just you know met you out in nightlife and yeah. and in a little bit in political activism which um, is relates back to what we were just talking about we got to russia <laughs> yes through <laughs> i'm fine yeah <laughs> and really so good. i i really it wasn't until we had we were having um Brand, you know Brandon Kirby on the podcast, um, and I saw the first season of I'm Fine that I even knew you're an actor, and yeah. then I saw it and I was blown away. I thought you were excellent in Thank it, you. really, really good. Like Thank your you. performance in the first season um, is truly, truly good. You're very, very talented. Thank you so much, Harry. And I, I just, I really enjoyed it. Um, so we're. Let's get into a little bit of the origin. I liked it, too. I thought it was good. journey. (laughs) For the record. (laughs) It's a... Where where is Perry Powell from? Well... Is that um, your real name? It is my name. My name is William Perry Powell Jr. Oh, Um, all right. So you didn't go by Will Jr. Didn't go by Will Jr. They were hoping (laughs) to have a third. I, yeah, I they mean, would, they would have liked to have had a William Perry Powell the third. They There's could, time. maybe yeah, will. Yeah, yeah, you might. I have decided that one day down the road, I do want to adopt children. I don't want to have children, but I do okay. want to adopt children. Nice. Um, I might have. I don't know. See, I'm still. How many kids do you want? Maybe two. I want a boy and a girl. Like, yeah, for sure. Um, and that's how the traditional. Fun about being gay is that you get to <laughs> choose and be like, oh, these kids don't have parents. So, like, which one needs them the most? And like, which one? I don't but know. do you feel that that needs to like? spring out of the right relationship truly yeah honestly yeah yeah. that's what i've always felt for sure um and i don't know i feel like i have a lot of maternal instincts um <laughs> and i'm attracted to men who are very like paternal yeah um so yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it'll probably work out in the end um sure yeah, I, um, let's see. Daddy's listening to this. Perry Powell's single. No, just kidding. <laughs> a lot of big words. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, he looks good in an apron. <laughs> I look really good in an apron. Mm. Uh, cleaning that kitchen. <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, check out my OnlyFans for <laughs> more details. We're going to make uh, more money for Perry Powell, you know, out of this yacht. <laughs> we will, we will. Um, and I'll be a mom tomorrow. So, no. where, where am I from? You're from Florida, from? right? I'm from Florida, geographically. Um, yeah. I am from... Are where? you spiritually feel like you're from somewhere else? Where in Florida? Yes, I'm spiritually from somewhere else and Jacksonville. A little town far outside of Jacksonville, so like near the border of uh, Florida and Georgia. The Jags. The Jags. Which is kind of very southern up there. Oh, it's oh. extremely southern. Mm-hmm. It is the Redneck Riviera, some call it. Oh, it yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, I love that. That's good. Yeah. Is that near <laughs> Alabama, too? Alabama runs over. Once I've you heard really go Jack, north like of Orlando, coast. like pretty yeah. much everybody just kind of like, like mushes together underneath a huge anti-abortion billboard. Like uh. that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's the MO funny. of the towns. Like they're really small, really white, really weird, very scarred from years and years of history. And they don't like, and then in Florida, you've just got the heat. Like, yeah, it's totally. a weird place to be from. It's, it's super alligators. Yeah. Or crocodiles. There was, there was an alligator. Alligators. Alligators. I'm well, like, I just, recounting the story last weekend and I like remembered it as it was happening. It was really funny. My parents moved us all into this huge house on top of a hill that had a pool 
after we had lived for 10 years, the first 10 years of my life on this creek and every year it would flood because it was Florida. So we'd get hurricanes. It's yeah. just like a nightmare. Like Florida totally. is totally the Australia of the U S in my experience. There's like heat, like people, giant reptiles, giant reptiles, like lots of like weird racism that you're just like, I don't know if I, I don't, Things funny that could, accents. Funny accents. Things that could kill you. Lots of weird, like, Crocodile Dundee action. Guns. You know, guns. Big knives. Lots of, like, like men who, like, light their matches across their stubble. Like, it's like... Oh, that is Australian. It's yeah. very Australian. <laughs> but it happens where I'm from. Yeah. Um, is that... Can you do that? Yeah. Light a match on stubble? Yeah. If the stubble's dense enough. I've seen it in real life. Wow. I know. That's cool. It That's is. a parlor trick. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't turn you away when you saw it. I have like a shameful attraction to like certain redneck qualities that I just like I'm never gonna get rid of. Oh, for sure. I think we all, yeah, Yeah. like it's like I'm like, oh, like, oh, you, you just like killed that deer and you mounted it. Like, oh my god, it's it's so weird. Um, (laughs) Take a camo off. (laughs) Take a camo off. Yeah. Oh, daddy. Um, No, it's. Mm. But I'm not the only one. I think it goes all the way up to the Midwest, up to like. You know, Detroit I'm and sure. Chicago. Washington. Mm-hmm. There's rednecks everywhere. And your family's still there in, in Florida. My family is still there. And, uh, oh, I brought up the that they moved onto the house. With the pool. With the pool, because there, when we moved in, it was totally, like, Grey Garden status. Like, there were Oh, it had been so decrepit. Many, it had been, there was a little old lady who lived there. The entire, like, sides of the house were, like, pink vinyls. Oh, so they got a good away. deal on it. Cause got it a really good left. deal. And then over the past almost 20 years, they've been slowly renovating it, like, piece by piece. My mom watches HGTV religiously. <laughs> oh, I so love it. Cute. Yeah, my so dad built, cute. like, an entire, um, like, you know, gigantic carport, like, shed situation that also, like, functions as a party Den. Oh, nice. And, like, does... Is your dad, like, a builder, construction do-it-all man? Yes. Which totally. is really funny. <laughs> he has, like, a workshop. That's my dad. He's, yeah. He'll, he's building 17 things all the time. Yep. My dad fixes cars. He built things... Yeah, he built, like, a deck, a pool deck, like, around the house that's still there. It's been, like, 17 years. It's, like, this giant shed thing. That's, like, what people do where I'm from. It's just, like, it's a bunch of, like, poor... Like, not poor, but, like you know, like Southern poor guys standing sure. around being like, how the fuck do we fix this? How the fuck do we build this without any money? Um, mm-hmm. Right, so right, right, right. It, it helps out a lot in the entertainment industry when you're just a bunch of people who are like, well, how do we do this without any money? Like, let's just fucking You gotta have it. a little MacGyver in you. Yeah, I mean, Truly, you, yeah. Yeah, because you must, you also work behind the scenes. Like, I you do. do like crew stuff. I mean, I guess you're handy. I'm very handy. Hey, um, <laughs> I am mostly, most of my gigs, uh, go in the art department. I'm yeah. big up. Like I want to be, you know, have that as like one of my main three things is like art director, you know, like you can call on me and I have like a distinct style and I know how to make things and I know how to, you know, where to get things. And it's been really cool. Um, I work in film theater and like music festival settings with mm-hmm. that. Um, and it was really cool because I didn't know until I got out here after I'd been away at theater college for like four years and then gone to New York. Um, when I got here and I started working those, like that dormant skill set of like carpentry comes in handy all the time. Um, and it just sounded like awakening me. I was like, Oh, okay. Like there are people who don't know how to like their way around Home Depot, but I do. So thanks dad. Yeah, that's yeah. so great. That's so great that you can do that. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, so where did you go? Quality too, theater college, sure. where, where was that? Where did you go? Uh, I went to Florida State University okay. in Tallahassee. It was a free ride, so I just did it. And, and then from there, you moved to New York. Mm-hmm. And were to get into theater. To get into theater, yeah. Um, I was much more drawn to theater as an art form in this age of what I've come to call digital dehumanization, um, where, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we feel like relating back to the first part of this conversation, the same things that everybody's talking about. We're like, we don't really know what the internet is doing to our brains. We don't really know what social media is doing. We don't really know like what this kind of entertainment is doing. Um, I was always extremely drawn and inspired, drawn to and inspired by the 
accomplishments in the cinema world from a young age mm-hmm. where I grew up. We all, you know, like lived through our televisions. We all like people are out there. They still do, you know, across America and across the world. But I was always drawn to the live exchange of energy. Yeah. That yes. much more profoundly. I love theater too. I, yeah. yeah. Me too. I mean, I, I, I acted in theater when I was a kid and um, all through college. I, you know, I did that. And then I, when I moved to New York, um, I mean, I, I, I'm from New York, but when I moved back to New York shortly after college, I worked in the theater in New York a little bit. And what I discovered, I mean, I just sort of gravitated towards not being an actor. And once I once I realized, once I learned what other jobs there were, because I just didn't know that. Like, all through school, I, I just didn't, I didn't know what a producer was or even really that much about what a director actually did and what other jobs there were in making something for film, television, or theater, or whatever. And once I figured that out, I realized, like, you know, I want to produce. And um, But I realized that theater producing is not really a job. You know, yeah. it's like people that produce theater are rich people. Right. That, yeah, that throw money at something. That, and then you know, they like have their own money and yeah. put, you know, have put a, you know, put lots of money into something and, you know... So put I, lots of money into lots of things, and then a few of them. Are and wicked. I found that in you know in film and television, it was more of a job. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to. You know, you're you're discouraged from putting your own money into stuff, and you you know have to go out and find money or pitch something and get someone to buy it, whatever. Right. Um, but that so that kind of took me a little away from theater. But but I did you know I, I did some work in New York theater and L A theater um, when I first got here too. Yeah. It's a, it's a catch-22. It's another paradox. It's like um, you want so badly for fledgling theater companies and people who are giving so much and sacrificing so much to tell a literary story. You want to be able to support that. You want to, you know, um, make their dreams a reality. And what it all usually ends up coming back to is money. Yeah. And, it, and is it a return on investment? And is it something that is viable? And is it, you know, something that can, you know, that Paris Hilton or the Kardashians or somebody can just be like, yeah, just boop, there it is. And it makes money making money. And it's like, people go and see it. And for some reason, you know, um, we as a culture at large have lost our ability to do that. So there's something strange in the zeitgeist out there. I'm not really sure what it is exactly, but it has been, you know, a huge learning curve for me out in the real world in New York in Los Angeles in the theater world like I'm just like oh like every day there's a new hurdle where you're like I thought that I was okay like I that's always going to come back like that's always a thing that's just going to be there like um I work in like what do you mean oh um like in drag and burlesque and theater and mm-hmm. all of these things that people do like um it's just like you, it's like a sandcastle effect. You can only like make it for a certain amount of time. You can't really like. Oh, live performance. Yeah. yeah it's like it's can, ephemeral. It's ephemeral. Very it's very, so. yeah. Um, it's very will of the wisp. You know, you mm-hmm. don't, you don't invest in it. Um, movies and television are even, you know, crapshoots for a lot of, for a lot of business people. Sure. Who look at this in a very brass tacks mindset of how much does it cost and how much does it make movies as opposed to you know medicine and real estate real estate and yeah. architecture and yeah. uh, other forms of investment you know they they don't they just don't make money it's like it's, it's it, if you like it's one out of every 10 like, oh, no, big absolutely. movies that is going to be like, okay, like we're going to, you know. And you have to make that very yeah, clear when you're going better. out there to get people's money, you right. know, which I've done, you know, like, you know, like be, pre- don't be prepared to lose it. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. that's, that's what's going to happen. It's probably. easier to buy a, a drug that cures a disease that a small number of people have and then just upsell it by 
a thousand percent and then make a profit there. Yeah. I mean, but one of the things... Did you see Martin Shkreli went to jail, is going to jail for seven years? Yeah, it did. That that news came out today, which is several weeks ago now. Oh, yes, um, we're in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Oopsie, we're in the future. Remember a few months ago? (laughs) Um, Anyway, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, like, I was thinking about when you were, uh, you know, talking about the theater... New York is a great town to do theater in because there's a tradition of going to the theater there and there's right. a lot more tension on theater in New York. In LA, having produced you know a little bit of theater in LA, um, there's no focus. It's not a theater town. No, you know, yeah. there's very little focus on theater. I mean, what's interesting It's not a focused town in general. It's well, like it's a, it's an, it's a it's a town focused on making I mean, it is like an industry town for That's Hollywood, yeah, for, yeah, for, for television, sure. for, for, you know, films. There, there is a focus on that, and people here are tuned to, like, the Oscars and whatever. But, um, mm. but like, getting people to go see a show in a 99-seat theater, you know, here is just really challenging. Yeah. Like, London's a great city for theater because yeah. there's just a focus on it and in New York, too. Chicago. Um, Chicago, yeah. Really great. Where yeah. did you live in, um, in New York? I was a couch surfer. I did a lot of different things. I lived in Washington Heights. I lived in Brooklyn. I lived in... So you really never had New York. How long were you there for? And I lived in the Hell's Kitchen for like five or six months with another Perry. And we called ourselves the O'Perrys because there was like these two child actors who were like being in and out of like the country, who would be in and out of the country and the city for like different auditions. And mm-hmm. their mom was like their momager and like... Um, that is so funny. So I just kind of looked. But there. how old were you when you were doing that? Twenty-one. Okay. Wait, how long were you there for? A year. A year, and then you moved to LA. And then I moved to LA, and um, but I want to I want to and started doing like everything that I've done, which is mostly you know, most of my work has actually like been in theater, and that's well. What's where, really interesting is there's there is a vibrant talented, almost underground community of artists. Yeah. Like, there's, like, kind of a guerrilla theater mentality here. And and I I got to know it through through theater, but also through the dance community. There's some incredible dance companies here, and, like, Ryan Heffington, who Love him, yeah. used to live, like, two doors down here. No way. Um, with my friend Kitty McNamee, who introduced me to this little place where I live um, and through Kitty and Ryan and Bubba Carr and um, you know Psycho Dance Show which was Ryan and uh, Bubba's company and through um, Hysterica Dance Company and we, we would just go to these venues and see like fascinating dance you know and just like real. it was just very guerrilla and you just saw like how many talented people were here and yeah, like a lot of those dancers were, you know, after that were going, jumping on a plane and touring with Britney Spears or, mm-hmm. you know, Justin Timberlake or whatever, because there's commercials, opp- commercial opportunities here. But those people are doing fascinating things. Oh, yeah. So like, as you obviously know, because that's apparently that's what your, you know, that's what your world is like. Yeah, I have I've danced with Ryan Huffington and he's amazing. At, I, to, like, at the sweat spot? At or? the sweat spot. In like uh, like short videos, I work with Nathan Kim. Sometimes I do dance as well um, because I'm in the theater world. Like, oh, you did a little two step actually as we were getting started here. I didn't realize you were a dancer. Yeah, I don't know if you. Is there no my... end to the talent of Perry Powell? <laughs> You'll find it. Um, it's <laughs> that's actually the point of this podcast. We're trying to find the end of the talent. Oh, end of the talent. there it is. And it's and it's um, yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm moderately talented at a lot of different things, <laughs> so that's how I'm not like really good at like any one thing. That's how I've made my. Have you seen the here. dance? I can prowess? absolutely relate to that. Have mm-hmm. you seen the dance prowess of Perry Powell? I have not seen Perry dance. <laughs> have, you? have you seen me dance? Yeah, we've danced together. Oh, well, yeah, so but I've seen you dance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah well, yeah, I mean, I've seen you dance at a at a uh, yeah, dance yeah, at club. club. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, it's a totally different thing. Yeah, it's like almost vertical sex. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> oh man. Uh, it's great though. Yeah. I haven't danced like I haven't danced in a while, just like got down and boogied. I know. I mean, but I 
I haven't seen like, like damn. Should we go back to Ospenhof? Should we return to Ospenhof? Oh Make God, a triumph and return? Yeah. We should. <laughs> I haven't been to one in a little bit. And I, I haven't either. And that's one of my things. I like kind of started that party. I helped start it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was like one of those, you know. Um, yeah. It's like going back to the fam. It's, it's like going back to the fam, which is, uh, and at the time I was like, yeah, this is like, this is theater. It's like one of those things. There's a lot of different. In this We're talking area. about a queer underground party, kind of in, in, in yeah. Los Angeles, and for our listeners, kind of an outlaw um, radical, underground queer, Berlin inspired, totally uh, space. Which actually, I can I can do this. I can relate this all back and go like full full ham. You're such a good you have been thre- um, you have been knotting all the threads tonight. I know. It's it's good. We haven't been doing anything. <laughs> no, that to Perry. But I love it. It's, it's <laughs> because it, it does inf- like they all do inform one another. You know, like. Um, uh, Ospenhof and all of these, you know, underground theater initiatives that I'm a part of, that a lot of other people are a part of, that like are trying to make Los Angeles into a town that has that backbone, that has mm-hmm. that literary uh, gel between itself. That's like not just for people to go and say, okay, like oh, I want to be a movie star, I want to be. A TV star, like an urban metropolitan night, something that kind of fleshes it together as like an identity or Mm. as something that you know. Well, that's what I mean. Like you know, I mean that's like Ryan Hevington was a big part of that. You know, and and the people that I met, you know, twenty years ago when I came here, it was really eye opening to see Mm -hmm. that that underground artist world existed, and people you know gathering at like these little performance spaces, you know, at like midnight. You know, mm-hmm. and to see like a just show. incredible creativity. Yeah. You know, it just it it was really amazing. And it blows you away because you know that this isn't going to be people are gonna Instagram it, they're gonna, you know, they're Instagram storying it, they're going to make their content about it, but you can never actually capture the state of the thing as it is, the isness of being there. Of course. Being there, yeah. of that of that experience. And there was, um, I mean, there was no Instagram or any of that when, right. when I first experienced that in Los Angeles. Yeah. And what I have found in my time here has been a thirst for that feeling. And it has led to a lot of people fucking with form. They've gone to, into a lot of like immersive theater um, initiatives. Right. A lot of like, you know, those kinds of projects have been funded by varying corporations and... Uh, a lot of performance art that happens in nightclubs, like at Ospenhof, which was a main thing that we wanted to thread into that community because people live for it. They just, you know, they go ape shit for the craziest live performances that you cannot see anywhere else. And for they real. buy tickets. You know, like you're like, oh yeah, like I, there's no way to compete with this. It's only going to exist, you know, in this one moment. Um, and so. I think that as we move t- forward and as we go further and further into uh, these developments of, uh, of branding and, and of um, social media and, and content creators, that there's going to be an increased demand for things that can't be done by computers. There's going to be um, an increased, like void of artistry when it comes to performance and the craft of making things that people want to see that like there will be something like very timelessly attached to being a human in nature without technology that you will use technology to reach platforms and reach audiences Mm -hmm. but that you know you can't capture any other way and so it's a really interesting divide with a town especially like this where everything is fractalized with cameras and lights and smoke and mirrors and you've got all of these different ways of seeing and looking at things to the point where you don't really know like what's real. Um, we're going to need the theater from this place to make sense of it all. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for that. I think that in the long run, uh, you know, investing in that mode of storytelling or, or these kinds of stories is going to be really fruitful and people are really going to 
uh, go back to theater, you know, like there's going to be, it's going to be much more valuable in the next 10 years. There's such an immediate and visceral experience, you know, about theater. And it really, like, I will say that it was my first love, you know, in terms of like entertainment and performance and, you know, whatever. And I, I experienced something in the theater that I don't experience in any other, you know, what as an audience watching anything else. It's just like, I'm more moved by theater. I'm more like, totally absorbed and immersed in it than than really any movie or television show or you know yeah live performance is unreplicable by technology yeah until they are comes around no I'm just kidding that's another one we can get them that rabbit hole yeah yeah. we don't have to go into AR (laughs) no but um, but yeah so What's next? What's next for Perry Yeah, what are you Powell? working on? What is next for me? Well, this is actually really interesting um, because I thought about this earlier today when I knew that this was happening. If you had asked me last week, I had three huge projects, three huge like independent projects that were happening, and then within the past week, they've all been like scrapped or postponed, restructured, postponed, restructured, like yeah, whatever that's the, the nature fact. of the beast. Yeah, and that's Hollywood. This was a month ago now. Yeah. Because this will come out. Right. So in a month from now, <laughs> I'm time traveling, anything can happen. I think that, you know, every door that closes in Hollywood is going to open up another one really fast. Um, but yeah, as for right now, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about it on a podcast, but we are going to be making, we're moving forward with the season three of I'm Fine, which is exciting. You heard it here, folks. I, first, I think folks. even Brandon alluded to that. I think Brandon kind of alluded. I don't think it had quite premiered yet, but I think it's... I don't think it's... Well, no, I mean, season two thing. hadn't quite premiered when we interviewed him. Right. But but, um, but we... it was That's what... Anyway. I can't um, remember exactly, but cat's out of the bag. But I think <laughs> that... Oh, that's so cool. Amazing. Yes. So we'll, we'll keep a lookout for that. That's going to be happening. Um... And then I am working with a new warehouse that I'm going to see tomorrow. We don't know what the name of the warehouse is, but it is run by my friend Mac Goodspeed. And that's going to be really exciting. I'm going to be working with them doing a lot of what we talked about tonight. Like just like immersive. A nightlife. Oh. Nightlife. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. We'll definitely have to check that out. Truly. Yeah. It might be a space where Ospenhoff goes, but it might also not because there's a lot of like conversation that needs to happen within that management sphere um i am yeah building with like music festivals and stuff gonna go to burning man um oh for me there like everybody who listens to this is happening burners get ready Um, pp's going to i'm actually finishing a documentary about the making of woodstock um, which um uh you know kind of launched the idea of the music festival in a way. I mean, there was, it wasn't the first one ever, but it was the, it became this huge phenomenon. Yeah. And my uncle was one of the people that put that together. I would love to hear about that. That sounds phenomenal. You can watch the film. <laughs> um, <laughs> or, yeah. or meet my uncle. He's got plenty to say about that. I would love to. Yeah. We'll talk, like, because I know people who are around since the, like the dawn of Burning Man too. So it's like, you know, yeah. it's all become, we're, I don't even know, like 60 years out from Woodstock. Uh, it's going to be it? 50 69? years 50 years next year wow. which is around when we're planning to put the movie out cool. you know for the, like the 50th, 50th anniversary, anniversary. Wow. Yeah. wow we'll have to do a Woodstock pod we can do a Woodstock pod we should probably we should interview my uncle John Morris he's yeah, very sure. he's a rock on tour totally <laughs> he's a rock on tour he's rock, a rock rock on tour rock on tour like the Jack White yes film. with a Q project there's no Q. It has a C. R A C C. No, just the one C. <laughs> I don't know this word. It's a French I word. I, I've, I've heard it. I've heard it. I've heard it. I don't think I've ever used it for anything. Raconteur. Raconteur. Yes. Storyteller is what it means. Right. I thought you said he's a rock on tour. I'm like, oh, if I go on tour, I'll bring him along. No, 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 no. <laughs> but he did produce tours. Yeah, he produced, yeah. you know, he produced uh, so the Rolling be. Stones tour of 1972, and he produced Paul McCartney's first solo tour as Wings, um, and 
the Amnesty International tour of '86. That's so, cool. We'll have yeah, to get him on. Why am that one? Why am I? You want to be a guest? Like a guest host? He won't. He won't listen. You learn. He won't listen to this. I think he already told me. He was like, you know what? It's not my thing. Yeah. He's like, I tried to. Yeah. It's like I. I listened to it and then I couldn't get through it. That's cool. <laughs> it's like not for everybody. Thanks. Yeah. My father said the same thing. <laughs> he's like, he's, he said, um, uh, yeah. Well, he's like, um, I'm really not that into because it was Maddie Noyce, our first episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah. I'm really not that into music or blogs. <laughs> and I was like, well, it's a podcast, but um, I, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, it's all the same. <laughs> it's all the same. <laughs> so my immediate family, not fans, but oh um, well, but whatever doesn't matter. Um, well, yeah, thank you so much. Um, uh, do you want to give a day shout outs to anybody or anything? Say hi to somebody. Ooh, I don't know. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> I always ask that. Everybody's always like, no, no. Well, like who, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of like who I would shout out. To that would be listening. Who's still be listening. listening? Right. Um, and I, 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 hey, future like, Perry. One of more things, but like, yeah, like everything that I do is really up in the air. And, no, 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 no. You know, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep an eye out for me. I'm everywhere. Yeah, we'll just wrap it there. Oh, did you have any? Do you have a follow places people follow you? Is that um, a thing? Perilous. That's perilous. Right. Perilous. P e r r i l u s. And that's, that's on what? Everything. Um, Instagram. Instagram. SoundCloud. Twitter. SoundCloud. Well, we know it's on SoundCloud because you've you've clicked on our podcast a few times, and we can see that. Thank you. Thank I'm you. A huge SoundCloud fan. And for everybody else who hasn't, please like, subscribe, share. If you're on the Apple Podcast app, feel free to give a, a five star rating. Otherwise, don't bother. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, share it. We the sharing is good. Sharing is caring. Yeah. Love you all. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.